It's the Nittany No Huddle Podcast from the Nittany No Huddle Studios. Alright, so welcome back to Nittany No Huddle. Got Devin, Whitfield, and Zach Rice on the line. We're going to talk about uh, Penn State's game against Villanova this week, and then we're also going to cover the craziness of college football, so let's get at it. So, uh, Penn State obviously uh, went to work this weekend, started off with immediate pass in the air. Um, Zach or Devin, do you guys want to talk about that initial play and your initial thoughts, you know, going into the game? It certainly was uh, interesting. I'll, I'll jump in, I guess. It certainly was interesting. I know we talked about last time the hope being that Penn State would come out and run the ball 45 times, and I think Devin specifically said he wanted to see Sean Clifford be like 10 for 13, which would have been great to my mind, too, but Penn State came out throwing uh, and Obviously, that worked, but as we'll talk about further along here, whether or not we can throw on Villanova, I don't think really matters going forward. So I think I would have liked to see a bit more just come out and run, 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 and get the run game going. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Zach, although I'm actually um, 100% fine with the play call. First play of the game, offensively, you got a big stop on defense. John Dotson's got single coverage on the outside. I'm pretty much – it makes sense to me to try to throw one up, go up 7 nothing. You're hoping to finish the game by the first half and be able to just run afterwards. But, yeah, we'll definitely talk about the running game because it's a huge concern in my book right now. But the first play of the game to come out and try to, try to spread the field, I'm pretty okay with it. I mean, it makes sense against the FCS opponent. Yeah, I agree. Um was kind of crazy that Clifford was still on that completion streak. And I know we were live texting during the game. Uh, just kind of wild out, like, that all played out. I thought he was going to go a little bit longer with it. But he really didn't have that accuracy I was kind of hoping for. Um, I think. Let me pull up the stat real quick. Yeah, he went 19 of 26. 19 for 26. Yeah. yeah. Still pretty good. That's, That's pretty good. But it's Villanova, so... I feel like we should be a little bit better than that. Some of his misses were, like, not good misses, in my opinion. But the biggest problem is definitely our running game. Um, I mean, how many total yards do we have on the ground? I think I saw it somewhere. Like, 58 or 80, yeah. Like 80 that. yards on 34 carries against that. Villanova. Yeah. Oh, John Lovett had a good game, actually. He, he had 4.1 yards per carry 11 carries for 45 yards now i think one i think some of that was from a big one big play but uh noah kane had an absolutely like terrible game they really didn't use him at all in the run game he had i think one carry for two yards so it's kind of interesting uh our play calling that one, that one i think was a was a load management type decision similar to what you see in the nba yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um, just yeah, just the running game in general was just not very good. So I was kind of disappointed with that. But um, we came out firing, took a took a big lead. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, we were missing some field goals, which we really should be making. And uh, of course, there were some bad calls once again. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you recall that roughing the passer call in the first half. Yeah, that one that one was pretty light. Uh, just kind of a 
two-hand shove to, like, the shoulder, chest region of the quarterback. A little bit after the throw, but not not super late and was definitely not a, like, hit to the head. But, you know, in today's in today's football, you just got to once, – once he's got the ball away, you got to do everything you can to just lay off of him. Yeah, I agree there. It's just just bad calls that are plaguing us that maybe if we were just a little more disciplined there. Um, so Parker Washington looked phenomenal. I mean, granted, he was running against, you know, Villanova, but he when he gets out in space, he is pretty quick. So, Devin, I don't know if you want to talk about Parker Washington at all. Yeah, Parker Washington someone that I've been hoping for a while now would really break out and – uh you figure with a guy like Jahan Dotson, he's going to get the other team's best corner every time. He's going to have help over the top. So we need Parker Washington to, excuse me, we need Parker Washington to be able to be that 1A guy rather than 2 or or 3. Um, and, and he looked good. He ran good routes. Caught every, I think he caught everything that was thrown to him. I didn't see any drops listed for him, but maybe I'm just forgetting one off the top of my head. Um, but he's, he's a guy that we need when we get into the heart of the big 10, especially if we're not going to be able to run the ball, which we couldn't against Villanova. So that gives me zero hope that we can run against an Ohio state or an Iowa. Um, but to get, uh, Parker and Jahan both over a hundred yards first time since 2018, that two wide receivers had a hundred yards in the same game. That's pretty cool. And, um, gives me a lot of hope for him over the next few years. Uh, wearing the blue and white. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been more happy with his production, and he is just, he's, he has some electric speed, so uh, I know we're kind of undersized at receiver, but sometimes having those that speed can make all the difference really break the game open. Now, one thing I want to talk about is we could not have been more spot on in our previous podcast about players on Villanova to watch. How impressed were you guys with Forrest Ryan? Um I have his stat line as eight tackles, three assisted tackles, and one and a half sacks. I mean, I thought he played absolutely lights out. I don't know if either of you guys want to talk about that. Yeah, he was one of those linebackers that just seemed like every time a play was made, or uh, especially, I think he was just kind of roaming, um, playing a spy on Clifford some, because it just seemed like every time there was quarterback pressure or it was just stacks of Clifford, it just seemed like he was either. He was either the guy that was there or he was in the vicinity and, and, and was drawing, drawing a blocker. It just, just kind of seemed like he was everywhere playing that role that you want out of your every down middle linebacker. Yeah, it was cool to hear uh, Matt Millen. Obviously, love Matt Millen on the broadcast. And uh, he kept calling out for us, Ryan, because he was just everywhere. It seemed like he every single play, he, he had a, a part of it. Um, he had a good quote after the game, too, about um, – being at Beaver Stadium before and coming to the spring game as a senior to see about a, a walk-on position. And and once the game starts, it's just another game to him. So it's easy to for us to say how cool the environment was. 105,000 fans for Villanova is awesome, and maybe Jordan wanted to talk about that later. I don't know. But for him to just go out there and play the game he loves, he said that, just an awesome experience. Um, and I, And I was just – as much as I'm disappointed in Penn State's running game, Forrest said in the post game, he said, we're the number one rushing defense in the country. That's how we play. We've worked for two years to become the best defense in FCS. So 
they pride themselves on stopping the run, and and maybe maybe they are better than we're giving them credit for as a running defense. But I, it was to see Forrest Ryan out there again, like Zach and I talked about last time. I coached against him when he was a freshman playing basketball, um, and Zach is from lives basically right in that area. So it was really cool for him to have a great game in Beaver Stadium, a, a place that I'm sure he initially probably wanted to play as a as a kid. Yeah, it was just awesome to see him. Um, I'll be interested to, interested to see if he gets any looks from any pro teams, either drafted or undrafted. I haven't really looked into his draft stock much, but he's definitely playing that big against, you know, a top six FBS opponent is like, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I was very happy to see him doing well out there. Uh, Zach, did you want to add anything onto that? And you made a good point or good with the talking about the draft. You know, you see a lot of guys in the NFL that they're not necessarily all from, you know, Alabama and Oklahoma and Clemson. You see, you see guys from that FCS level that make it in the NFL and, so if you're a player on the Villanova and you have aspirations of the next level, being able to have, you know, film that shows you going up against Penn State, I think it's probably the first. If you're an NFL guy and you're if you're evaluating a Villanova player, that's probably the first film you're putting in to see how okay, can this guy can this guy play. So if nothing else, in addition to the getting to play in one of the sort of big cathedrals of college football, getting that opportunity to, to put some, uh, you know, film together against a power five conference is probably great for those players too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> they actually, I didn't know this going into the game, but uh, they had Howie Long on the broadcast for a little bit um, with a, like a pre-recorded video, but he actually went to Villanova. So like, like you said, those smaller schools, there is the opportunity to still play in the NFL if you uh, have those aspirations. And when you're a smaller school like Villanova, um, it's always good to get to play these big Power 5 schools. Which segues me into the next point is Villanova was preparing for the crowd noise at Beaver Stadium. Now, granted, it wasn't whiteout level noise, but still always a loud and difficult environment to come into. And because of noise ordinances out there on the main line, uh, they had to use leaf blowers to make artificial noise loud enough to disrupt their quarterbacks and their play calling in practice. So I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know if you guys heard any of that or saw that. Yeah, and uh, and Daniel Smith said after the game, which, uh, again, we talked about this after Auburn, um, the opposing team's always going to say something like this. But he said in his post-game interview, the leaf blowers were way louder than the crowd. And that's a direct quote. So um not sure how I feel about that. But, hey, to each their own. Yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, you take everything with a grain of salt. It's the same thing when Joe Joe Burrow, you know, went down to LSU and he was like, oh, the SEC is so much louder. Like, of course, you're going to say that after you leave, you know, Ohio State. So, <laughs> But other than that, um, dominated pretty much the whole first half and most into the third. And then we brought in our second team defense and it did not go very well. I don't know. If, uh, Devin, you want to talk about that, or Zach, you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was 38-3 to um, a minute into the fourth quarter when Tyler Warren scored on the, another uh, Wildcat touchdown run, which, again, great to see that. And then, like you said, we kind of started really putting in 
the second string into the third string guys at that point, and, and Nova scored two late touchdowns. So the score looks much closer than it really was. I mean, um, I look at kind of the yards, total offense. Penn State had 509, Villanova had 280, and both their touchdown passes in the end combined for 74. So even if you just take away their two touchdown passes, that puts them down to 200 yards for the whole game. So uh, at, at the end of the day, 38-17 doesn't really matter to me as much as how Penn State played and got to rest some guys in the end. Like we said, Noah Kane barely played. Um, Clifford was out pretty early in the game. A lot of other guys. So that's, that's the linemen were out pretty early. So that's that's more important to me than anything else. And so it's a win over an FCS school. So yeah, I would, I would echo that the score isn't really all that important. I would note though that I think when you see these types of games. It, it's indicative of the gap between even a top, you know, we'll see if Penn State really is a top 10 team, but even between the the back end of the top 10 or top 15, top 25 teams and the, the Alabamas and the Georgias, because when the when the Alabamas and the Georgias or the Ohio States, when they're really rolling, or Clemson with uh, Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, when they play a team that they are significantly more talented than, you know, an FCS team or a, even a lower-level team in their conference, Good example is Georgia yesterday. They beat Vanderbilt like 62 to nothing, and they almost had more points than Vanderbilt had yards. And I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about is when Georgia goes up by a million on Vanderbilt and they put their third string in, their third string is still a bunch of like four- and five-star recruited guys that are just kind of green or freshmen, and then they go in and they, they still continue to put the route on. And I think that's where you see a bit of a difference with Penn State. You know, we put the backups in, and, you know, not to disparage the backups, but – Villanova is able to move the ball on them. So I think it's one of those things where the depth, if you're Penn State, you know, or really anybody who's not like a top three team in the country, not having, you know, three levels of NFL players the way Alabama does shows up in some of these scores where, you know, I think, I think you could probably say the score was 38 to three, I guess, when, when Penn State really took the foot off the gas. And, you know, maybe if they keep the starters in for four quarters, it ends up being, 49 to 10 or something, but is that really worth it in the grand scheme of things if somebody gets hurt? Probably not. Yeah, yeah and Zach and, and uh, Franklin said after the game, too, in his post-game quotes about how much respect he has for uh, Ferrante and their program. So I think it's one of those things where Franklin has gotten some slack in the past for doing things against bad teams to run up the score, or uh, I think at that time he called a timeout to ice the field goal kicker. But I think this game was one that he had a very specific plan of let's get up by five scores and then be done. And, and whatever happens after that doesn't really matter. So I don't know if that was his plan, but that's how it seemed like he talked after the game. And that's, that's yeah. a great – that's what we call in the, in, in the podcast business a, a good segue, Devin, because do you know who the team was that Franklin called that late timeout against to ice the kicker? Georgia State. There you go. Which yep. uh, put a hurt, hurting on Auburn yesterday. How about what a crazy week in college football? Like I, honestly, I I can't remember the last time I felt this sort of like uncertainty in the college football world. I'm I'm thinking all the way back, maybe. Well, what was that crazy season? Two thousand five was was that it? Zach seven two thousand seven where just everybody's losing every week and, you know, <laughs> you have a two-loss team, I think, playing in the national title. Like, just craziness. Winning, so. winning the national Yeah, winning the national title. So, 
You've got you've got teams <laughs> like College that climbed as high as number two with Matt Ryan. You got South Florida, I think, got up to two or three. Yeah, so South Florida was a wild year. that year, and Rutgers but, was in the top three or four that year. And it was it was fun as a Penn State was sort of down that year, so it wasn't super. Uh, it was just a great year as a college football fan, especially as a fan, like I said, of a, if you're a Penn State fan that year, we kind of were out of it early. But just to see the chaos and just to see, you know, LSU's getting beat. Uh, Alabama wasn't Alabama yet, but Florida Florida loses. That might have been the year that Florida lost to Ole Miss, and uh, Tim Tebow gave that crazy speech where he was like half crying after the game. Uh, you had, a, I think, Ohio State lost. They lost to some random like Purdue or Illinois that year. So it was just pure chaos. And if you're a college football fan, it was so exciting. And I think that's what you saw yesterday. And I'll go on a bit of a rant if I'm allowed, but I think that what you saw yesterday and what those games mean and what and you see that every week of every college football season is why college football is the best sport and why we don't need a 16-team playoff. Because that was a playoff game for Clemson yesterday. It was a do or die. If we lose this game, we're we're done. Our season, we'll play the rest of the games, but our season is over. And as a fan, that's incredibly uh, frustrating and stressful, but that's why you have people sitting on the edge of their seats in week four just, like, losing their mind over, you know, NC State going for two or not going for two. And, and you don't see that in any other sport. You won't see that today when the NFL games kick off. And I don't think it totally goes away if you keep expanding the playoffs, but I think there is there is a bit of a survivor pool uh, nature to college football that I think is just so awesome, and it, it can't, it's not replicated in any other sport. What was the concern when we, the playoff first came is, like, are we <laughs> are we going to lose, you know, that – you have to win every game kind of thing. And and <clears throat> to a point, we did a little bit because you can still get in with one loss. We've seen multiple one-loss teams get in, whereas before it's like if you lose a game, you're probably not going to play for the national title unless something crazy happens. So I I highly enjoyed the games yesterday. Um, we can talk about Georgia State going down to the wire with Auburn. That kind of makes Auburn not look like a great win for us. Um I don't know what you guys thought about that game, but it was it was very exciting to watch either way. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. That game was exciting for a number of reasons, obviously, as a Penn State fan. Um, as, as a fan of any team in college football that has aspirations for the playoffs, as soon as you beat somebody, you need to be their biggest fan. So um, talk about Wisconsin, I'm sure, at some point too. But for, for Penn State, having their signature non-conference win – Auburn uh, potentially go down in flames to Georgia State at home would have been, uh, you know, pretty troubling as far as a as far as like a strength of schedule uh, argument goes. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're in the Big Ten, if you win the Big Ten, you're making the playoffs. Period. But um, for Penn State, you really it would really be nice to see Auburn have a good season, and they just looked terrible, frankly, yesterday. And what was most concerning was watching Penn State not be able to run the ball against Villanova recalling that we had about 80 rushing yards against Auburn and then watching Georgia State just run it down the uh, the throat of the Auburn defense play after play after play. I think they had like 250-plus rushing yards against Auburn. That, to me, coupled with Penn State's inability to run against Villanova, sort of shot up a red flag for me. Like, how, how are we not running the ball against these guys in Beaver Stadium? And then all of a sudden this Georgia State team comes in and just runs it down their throat. 
something doesn't look right there. Um, Could be a even just from, game, from too, the, though. Yeah, and there's something to be said, and you see it in college a lot more than the NFL. Because in the NFL, every game matters sort of equally. But in college, you have games like the Penn State-Auburn whiteout game was super hyped up. Um, and then there's sort of like a, a letdown the next week. You saw it with Penn State, a bit of a some delays to the game. And then probably, I didn't watch the beginning of the Auburn game, but it's, it's fair to say they they probably had a bit of a letdown after the, the loss in Happy Valley as well. But, again, getting back to the, the every week is life or death in college football argument, if you're Auburn, you know, you had your fans sitting on the edge of their seats going from, you know, to fire on first-year coach in week four to, all right, we won. Everything's okay. We can still we can still pretty much get everywhere we want. We've got our whole West schedule in front of us. So, you know, they probably were going from one end of the spectrum of fandom to the other in the span of like 20 minutes. Big story there to watch is did Bo Nix lose his job? I'm gonna say probably yeah. Um, speaking of people that should probably lose their job, Wisconsin's quarterback that fourth quarter, my God. <laughs> I don't know, Devin. Did you end up watching that game or not? I watched some of it, um, but yeah, like you said, he he played pretty terrible. Um, although, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't really have high expectations for him. But still, to go, uh, just pull it up here: 18 for 41 with four interceptions, with a wonderful QBR according to ESPN of 17. Um, two pick sixes. That two pick sixes. That's pretty. <laughs> Pretty wonderful, and uh, Wisconsin will not be ranked after this week, which, again, hurts Penn State, although I think once we get to our rankings later, it's pretty clear it's uh, it's Alabama, Georgia, and then it's kind of a mess. So I, I could see Penn State being three in a lot of rankings this week, and I could see Penn State being lower. But hopefully Wisconsin turns it around. But I, I, they stuck with Mertz. Wisconsin, that is, stuck with Mertz, so I don't know if he's going to lose his job, but he did not play well. No, uh, he did not. So, <laughs> that was a pretty crazy game. It was a three-point game with, like, 14 minutes. No, not even 14. It was, like, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they ended up scoring, like, 31 points in the fourth quarter. It was wild. Um, but another great game, speaking of, you know, uh good pro or programs I'd like to see kind of make relevance again. West Virginia, Oklahoma, another great game there. I don't know if you guys stayed up and watched that game, but West Virginia went down to the wire. I believe I talked about that in our last podcast about probably betting on that with a 17 and a half point spread. I took them as the underdog on the money line and I took the spread. So I was a field goal away and one bad snap away really from winning those. But that game was just awesome. Um, I'm not very impressed with Oklahoma, um, but their fans are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they were, you know, calling out um, what's their their quarterback's name? Rat Ratford Rat Rattler. Yeah, they they were calling for him to be benched like after one half, like just craziness down there. Yeah, I, I did watch most, um, at least most of the second half of that game. I didn't really see much of the beginning, but. Spencer Rattler, I, 26 for 36 with a touchdown and a pick. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else Oklahoma fans want. I, I, maybe it's because of all the NLI deals he has. He's, I think I read he was one of the top, like, two or three most profitable players in college football after the 
NLI rules came down. So I don't, maybe they're just mad that he's not living up to that hype as a preseason Heisman favorite. But still, 26-36, I think West Virginia is a solid team. I, again, I, I love West Virginia. They're one of those teams that I would put, like, in my top three or four favorite college football programs that I just like to support. Um, but I, I, I don't really – I don't really understand what Oklahoma wants else out of Spencer Rattler. I don't think it was his fault. Again, you look at their box score, and Oklahoma had 57 rush yards. So if we're going to complain about Penn State rushing for 80 rush yards, I think Oklahoma needs to look at their running game first before uh, putting the blame on Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I agree. And no offense to the Big 12, but the Big 12 defenses are not known for being the, you know, stop the run or even stop points from being scored typically so I I understand a little bit of the frustration with not living up to the Heisman hype and having you know Kyler Murray go there and also Baker Mayfield Jalen Hurts like there's a little bit of pressure there for sure but I I think it comes back to what Zach always says about the lower IQ football fans always blame the quarterback first so Zach I don't know if you want to talk about that yeah, I mean, I you, you guys both hit a, hit the nail on the head. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, if you're an Oklahoma fan in the last like five and six five or six years, you've had nothing but NFL players and Heisman winners to watch. Uh, as far as the quarterback position goes in Norman, so it's, you can be really good and not meet their their standards if you're just if you're giving into recency bias. And again, he. He, I think he's probably very much in the Heisman race because at this point I don't know who the who the runaway Heisman winner is, but you, it is certainly weird to see a guy who's definitely in the Heisman mix in the first half of a game against a live opponent, a Big 12 conference foe, and hear the fans calling for his job. It's just kind of crazy. Great. Um, it's just – I won't say I've never been critical of a quarterback, but – I know we were talking with Gabe last night when we were playing Xbox, and he was like, I would be embarrassed if I was an Oklahoma fan calling for a quarterback at halftime when you're tie- in a tie game, and he has thrown one interception that was a deflection. Like, I, I really don't know what you want. I'd be calling for, you know, Lincoln Riley's job before that for, you know, not being able to run the ball at all, but just kind of a wild game. So speaking of other wild games, how about NC State? Now, Devin, I know you're you like NC State. Uh, you guys went down there for basketball camp before, so uh, you want to talk about that game at all? Yeah, I only saw once I saw that it was tied in the fourth quarter. I turned that one on uh, again. Like we mentioned, there was just so many good games yesterday that it was uh, it was hard to even keep track of which games were good and which ones were on at certain times, but. Uh, NC State took it to Clemson. I, I mean, I think they really outplayed them for most, if not all, of the game. Um, NC State's quarterback, I, I don't remember exact numbers, and I can pull it up quickly, but uh, I know he had four touchdowns. So he played really well. And that – excuse me again. That that pass he had and that catch in overtime uh, has to be a, one of the top – 10 plays of the year at the end of the year. I'll be shocked if it somehow falls out of the top 10, if not the top five. It was an unbelievable catch. And uh, I, I still 
Clemson's still going to win the ACC. I mean, if they don't, I'll be shocked. But it pretty much eliminates the ACC from the playoffs, which is good because the ACC sucks. So. Yeah, I agree. And now we can get three SEC teams in there, so that'll be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that throw, like, ooh, that was that was money, and what a catch! Like, the the throw couldn't have been put anywhere else where the defense couldn't get it, and the receiver couldn't have made a better catch. And in comparison, in overtime, you saw Clemson a similar type throw, not catch it. So it's just. College football is just crazy, and I'm a huge fan of college football overtime. Um, I love how they <laughs> how they do it now, where you go, you have to go for two, and then it just becomes going for a two point conversion further on. So I think it brings a lot of excitement to to the overtime aspect. <laughs> Zach, did you want to talk about that game at all? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate and say I still fully expect Clemson to win the ACC. Um, because I do agree 100% with Devin, the ACC sucks. And for that reason, I don't think there's anybody, uh, you know, NC State obviously is in the driver's seat now um, in the, I forget which, whether it's the Atlantic or the Coastal, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Clemson not lose to anyone else in the ACC because I'll turn it back to either one of you and, and who who in the ACC is going to beat them. I know they have Boston College at home next week, but I think there's a decent chance they still Still win their division and go on to win the ACC, but I, I would agree it doesn't really matter how it shakes out. There's no way the ACC is making the playoffs. You've got BC and Wake Forest both undefeated. I guess if they ran the table and then um, you know won the ACC title game, I guess they'd have a shot. It just kind of depends how things would shake out. Um, NC State even with the win over Clemson, they're all, they already have a non-conference loss to Mississippi State, who is. I, you can just about bet your bottom dollar they're going to finish dead last in the SEC West, so that's going to be a, an anchor of a non-con loss, even if NC State ran the table. So I, I just, I would agree. I think the ACC is dead, no matter how, no matter how you slice it up. Yeah, like you said, Zach. So I, the only way the ACC gets a team in the playoffs is if somehow Boston College runs the table, and it's just not going to happen. I mean, I would be willing to bet almost anything that Boston College is not going to run the table, and they're probably going to lose to Clemson this week. So that will officially yep. eliminate the ACC. So. I will say, and I have no confidence in Wake Forest doing anything better than like 8-4 and four maybe, but they do. They are one of the ACC teams that got NC, uh, got Notre Dame this year. So Wake's schedule, because they're playing Notre Dame, potentially would give them a bigger shot, I think, than, like I said, a one-loss NC State with a, a bad loss to Mississippi State. Or even if Boston College runs the table, you know, I guess they'll have the win over Clemson which, you know, isn't going to be – it's not going to carry as much weight as it normally would, but I think if Wake somehow ran the table, uh, that means they would have a win against Notre Dame, which would at least give them something not to point to on the resume. I, I'm just not seeing Notre Dame on the schedule, Zach. I'm thinking that you might be thinking of somebody else. I just pulled up Wake Forest's schedule, and I don't see Notre Dame. The only ranked games they have left hmm. are North Carolina and Clemson. Let me see if I can pull up Notre yeah, Dame stuff here quick. It could be confusing – uh, Notre Dame plays North Carolina. That might have been who I was thinking of. North Carolina, of course, the the darling of the ACC early on. Already has two losses, so no. It looks like you're right. Uh, there is no neither Boston College or Wake were are are the ACC teams that Notre Dame is playing this year. So again, even if they even if one of them ran the table, by the time you look at the schedule, 
it's going to be who did, who did you beat? If you're Boston College, you got to win against Clemson, I guess. I don't know how far that's going to go, but teams in the Big Ten, the third the third best team in the Big Ten in the SEC will could probably go 11 and one and have a better resume than Boston College or Wake Forest at 12 and 0. But again, the, the likelihood of either one of them finishing higher than eight and four, maybe nine and three, is is, is probably probably extremely unlikely. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. So, you guys want to take a moment, and I'd like to go through your guys's top ten uh, rankings, and I'll I'll throw up a graphic for this uh, after the call and for when we publish it. But um, I don't know, Zach or Devin, if you want to start first, go ahead. Yeah, I've got mine ready to go, so I can I can jump in and. Give Devin some time to compile his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were doing top five, so I have top five, but I'll uh, I'll pull up the rankings quick and see if I can BS the top I'll, uh, five. I'll do the Joel Clatt and start start with the two teams I have just missing the cut for the top ten. I've got Florida, Florida and Ole Miss at, at eleven and twelve. Um, Ole Miss, of course, is still undefeated, but but had a non-conference win against Louisville. Not really anything to write home about. Florida, of, of course, is is ranked as high as it is basically because they looked good in a loss. And that's great. They did they did play Alabama pretty tough, and you got to give them that. But I'm not sold on on beating up on poor Tennessee last night. So anyway, getting into my top ten, I've got Ohio State at number ten. Uh, again, this is more indicative of where uh, you know where you think they're going to end up based on talent because their resume is not so great yet. Uh, moving Notre Dame up to nine. Um, I don't think Wisconsin is is a vintage world beater Wisconsin team, but I still think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good non-con scalp um, to have. Well, I guess everything's non-con for Notre Dame, but Moving them up to nine, I've got uh, Cincinnati at eight, and those two teams are going to play each other next week. So whoever wins that game has a shot to, to, to get some momentum and, and bounce up. I've got Oklahoma uh, at number seven. I just don't think they've really done all that much to deserve anything higher than that. They've got a near loss to, to Tulane. They destroyed Western Carolina or Western Illinois or somebody. Um, they had a they had a much closer than it needed to be win over Nebraska at home, and then they had a way too close for comfort win over a decent but not great West Virginia team also at home. So we haven't seen them do anything on the road, and we haven't seen them uh, you know, beat beat by a significant margin a good team yet. Um, so at six, I've got Penn State, another flawed team, I think, but with with two you know, two legitimate wins, again, Wisconsin and Auburn, the, the shine, kind of came off both of those wins this week. But say what you want, those are still good wins to have in your pocket at this point in the season when, when some teams haven't even played anybody yet. Uh, I've got Iowa at number five. Kind of kind of the same with Penn State. You're, you're riding high if you're Iowa, and then all of a sudden, boom, this week you, you go into halftime losing to a one-and-two Colorado State team. And perhaps another, similar to Wisconsin and Auburn, you have, you have Iowa State lose to Baylor, um, and that was Iowa's signature non-con win. So that kind of lost a bit of shine as well. I've got jumping up to number four, and this is gonna this is gonna cause some problems uh, from at least one of the folks on the call here. I've got Arkansas at number four. I think again this early in the season, I try to make these rankings based on what have you actually done, not what's your name brand. What, what does your resume look like? Arkansas has a neutral site win over Texas A&M. I don't think Texas A&M is a top five or ten team this year, but they are a live team with quality talent. Um, and then they've got a home win, a home spanking of Texas. Again, I don't think Texas is a top five team or a top ten team, but as you saw yesterday, Texas beat Texas Tech 70 to 35. 
So they're definitely at least a good team. So two two wins. Uh, I guess Arkansas at this point, you could just call them the Texas State champions, I guess, with the wins over A&M and, and the Longhorns. And then the, the top three is, is probably pretty settled amongst most pundits at this point. I've got Oregon at number three with a huge win over Ohio State. Um, they took care of business against Arizona last night. I've got Georgia at number two uh, with the absolute uh, demolition of Vanderbilt yesterday. And then, of course, Bama at number one. That's my top ten. So mine is pretty similar to Zach's. Like I said, I had already planned out my top five. wasn't sure of the top ten, so I just um, pulled up last week's ranking, and it looks like the coach's poll just dropped as we're recording this, so I, that helped me a little bit too. I have Notre Dame at number 11, just on the outside looking in. Uh, number 10, Ohio State. Again, I lost to Oregon, who we have in the top three. So they're at number 10. Number 9, Florida. Number 8, Cincinnati. Number 7, Oklahoma. Number 6, Iowa. Uh, number 5, Penn State. Number 4, Arkansas. I gave Arkansas the slight advantage over Penn State whenever I saw that Arkansas beat Georgia State by 40, and uh, Penn State beat Auburn, who barely beat Georgia State. So those two were kind – of, four, five, six is really tight for me, but I gave Arkansas a little bit of an advantage there and moved them up to number four, which means that I have three SEC schools in the top four, which is sad to say, but that's how it is right now. I want um, a bomb. And then, and then three Oregon, two Georgia, one Bama. And I, I'm, I think it's Bama, Georgia – Big drop to Oregon, and then a pretty big drop to four, five, six, seven, eight, and everybody else. So that's my talk. All right, good stuff. I'll uh, I'll go through mine, and then uh, we can discuss our takes. Make sure you throw up your Jordo's uh, hot take of the week, sponsored by Taco Bell. Here. <laughs> it's funny because I just got Taco Bell for lunch too, so I'm actually drinking out of a Taco Bell cup on the podcast right now. So, I'll start with uh, Just Missed the Cut, number 12, Ohio State. Um, I think you got that loss to Oregon, and you just have not looked good. I really don't have any faith in Ohio State. This is going to come to a shock. Number 11, just outside the cut, Oklahoma. I have not seen anything from Oklahoma that gives me any sign that they're a top 10 team. They barely beat Nebraska. They barely beat West Virginia. They just haven't looked good. I have them out of my top 10. Number 10, going to be a surprise here, BYU. Still undefeated. I think they're a good program. I think they really could, you know, break in and possibly, you know, run their table. And we may see them in the top four come the end of the year, depending on how things shake out. Number nine, uh, Michigan. I think they have a really good team still. They had a little trouble with Rutgers down the stretch there, but they largely dominated the first half of that game. They came out real flat in the third, but I think I think the way <laughs> they're able to run the ball and their off- offense and defense together, I think they've been a good team. Uh, number eight, I have Notre Dame coming off that huge win against Wisconsin. The scoreline really isn't indicative of how that game went. Um, it was a very close game until they blew it open at the very end, so with a third-string quarterback. Um, still a lot of questions there for Notre Dame. Number seven, uh, I have Penn State dropping down to number seven. Um, just because of our run game, I do not see them being able to, you know, pound the rock. Uh, down the stretch in the Big Ten, 
you're going to have to run the ball eventually, and we have not shown anything that we can do that. So uh, I have Penn State at seven. Six, I have Cincinnati. You guys hit Cincinnati pretty well already. Uh, I think they're a good team, and they're going to play Notre Dame this week, so get to see them. Uh, they, For me, they could be the best team in Ohio, so <laughs> that'll be a good game. Uh, five, I have Arkansas. Good win against Texas A&M. Uh, they have a tough schedule ahead of them. They already beat Texas, so they're just rolling right now. We'll see how they finish. Four, I have Iowa. Took care of business. Um, Iowa's good team. I, I'd like to see them. I mean, they're going to play Penn State here, so we'll get the get a little bit more in-depth on them. Uh, three, this is going to be another shocker. I have Alabama dropping to three. I just don't think Alabama is the Alabama of you know the last five years, personally. Uh, they they have some question marks and they have looked vulnerable. <coughs> where the other two teams, Oregon, Oregon took care of business last night. They looked real good. Uh, their offense is so explosive. I really could see them winning out. So I have them as number two, and then I have Georgia, who has just absolutely demolished everybody in their path. So I that's how I have my top uh, ten. If you guys want to comment on that, so I'll say that is that is interesting. I don't. I don't dislike the BYU. Actually, I think with since you brought up BYU and since we all had Cincinnati in the top ten, I think you know every year everyone's waiting for are, are we ever going to see a Boise State or a UCF or what do these teams have to do to make the playoffs? And I think this year because we we think we're maybe looking at that 2007 type season where everybody's going to lose at least once and a lot of the big uh, blue bloods are going to lose twice. This could be the year, and I would say. Cincinnati and BYU have been fortunate enough to schedule better than UCF or Boise was ever able to. So Cincinnati had this huge game with Notre Dame, of course, coming up. That's not a type of game that 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 the that the Boises of the world were ever able to get. So if they win that and they run the table, they're going to be in the mix in the top six at least. Uh, similarly, Boise State. I was looking at their schedule. They have five Pac-12 games on the schedule. They're an independent, so they kind of can craft out. Crafted how they want. They do have five Big Ten or uh, Pac-12 games on the schedule, and they were set, they're set to end the season with USC, and they have to be super disappointed to see the way that USC has turned out. They lost to Oregon State last night at home. Um, so if you were BYU, they started the season with a bunch of nice wins. You're you're riding high, and you were you were probably hoping we get to 11 and 0, and then we play USC in the last game of the season. Like what what better springboard can you get than that? And unfortunately, that's going to be not all that big of a game at the end of the year. But I will say, I'm not I'm not saying BYU or Cincinnati make the playoffs, but I think the likelihood or the chance that one of them makes it is higher this year than I think it's been since college football playoffs started. Honestly, the hottest take that you had, Jordan, in my opinion, is Oregon ahead of Alabama um, because you think Ohio State is trash this year. And, and Oregon, I don't know how much of the game you watched last night, I watched most of it. That's one thing I'll say about this podcast is it has made me a more dedicated college football fan. Um, Oregon was outgained last night by a garbage Arizona team, 435 to 393 in total yards. Um, if Arizona did not turn it over five times, they would have won last night. Uh, it was a five-point game going into the fourth quarter. Oregon was up 24 to 19. 
Arizona had 31 first downs last night against Oregon. So, to me, that is your hottest take. Yeah. Alabama is definitely better than Oregon. I'm going to be honest. I fell asleep after the first half of that game. Well, not fell asleep. I I turned it off. I was watching something else. But I got breaking breaking news on the podcast. AP poll just dropped. One Alabama, two Georgia, three Oregon, four the Pennsylvania State University. Five, Iowa, six, Oklahoma, seven, Cincinnati, eight, Arkansas, nine, Notre Dame, 10, Florida, 11, Ohio State, 11, Ohio State, 12, Ole Miss, 13, BYU, 14, Michigan, 15, Texas A&M, 16, Coastal Carolina, which I think they have that Dr. Pepper kid there, so they're one to watch. Uh, 17, Michigan State, 18, Fresno, 19, undefeated Oklahoma State, 20, UCLA, 21, Baylor. Somehow Auburn is still ranked 22nd, and NC State is 23rd, and Wake Forest 24th, and Clemson 25. What do you guys think about that? That's wild to me. I mean, yeah, I know they're 2-2 two and two in trash, but just yeah. – I would not have expected to see Clemson at 25 through four weeks in the season. It's just crazy to me. Zach, you, you alive over there? Did he did he pass out? Oh, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, there are some interesting uh, teams and interesting slots, but I think Penn State, of course, moving up is is not, I guess, not surprising with the fact that A&M and I, I believe A&M and Clemson were both ranked ahead of Penn State in last week's AP, AP poll, so I guess we should have expected them to move up. But for those of us that watch the game, it doesn't feel like we really earned it. And part part of the poll concept is, especially on the coaches' poll side, is people aren't really you – know, Auburn won. They won by 10 against Georgia State. If you didn't watch the game, you, you don't understand, and the score doesn't tell the story. Um, so say what you want about the college football playoff, but at least in a committee – that runs it, but at least at least you have people in the room whose job is to actually watch the games and evaluate the tape. Um, but I will say, getting back to Jordan's hot takes, I, I don't feel like this is necessarily a vintage Alabama Death Star-type team. Um, I'm not saying – I'm not predicting anyone to beat them in the regular season necessarily, but I wouldn't be shocked if somebody did. I will say, though, with the way Clemson has looked the last couple weeks, I'm not going to give Georgia all that much credit for a 10-3 to win over, over Clemson. Um, not that Clemson's defense has been bad per se, but I don't think Georgia gets, gets credit for, the, for the, the Clemson win now that they were getting in week one. That's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's been a wild uh, year already. Um, I'm I'm honestly sh- surprised that we are in the top four. Um, I did think we did anything to <laughs> bolster ourselves. I mean, we took care of business against an FCS school. We didn't run the ball well. But I do respect them actually moving Oklahoma back because as I had them out of my top 10, uh, so that's where I think they belong. But we'll see how the season goes. Um that this was a fun segment. So, to the poll writers, you know, 
somebody has to go uh, – the poll voters, I should say. Somebody has to go at number four. Somebody has to be number – and I don't know about you guys, but when I sat down to kind of think about what's my top ten, I, find, I found myself saying, like, well, I don't – like, who – I guess Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, and I think there's a bit of a gap. I don't think Penn State's number – I don't think – I think there are more than three teams better than Penn State in the country. I think there are more than three teams better than Iowa in the country. I think that there are way more than three teams better than Oklahoma. And and you do that, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, then who – can I just leave four, five, six blank and start at seven? So it's one of those things where I think it points to how how flawed all of the top, top teams are, that you have teams that are probably ranked where they should be, but you don't feel like they're a vintage, like, number four overall team. Yeah, Zach. Literally yesterday in our in our group chat, both of us said that Penn State could literally lose every game the rest of the way, and it would. I, I honestly would not be surprised if Penn State does not win another game this year, and they're ranked fourth in the nation right now. It's just, it's it's already such a weird year. Yeah, I, I would yeah. agree. I don't think they're good. I don't think there's any chance they lose all of their games, but there's not a game on on Penn State's schedule, and. You know, not to not to drag this thing out further, but you look at what Rutgers did yesterday in the Big House. They can beat Penn State. You look at what Maryland's doing right now. Uh, Maryland has a huge game with Iowa on Friday. We'll see if Iowa's looking ahead to Penn State, but Maryland can absolutely beat Penn State. It's it's at College Park. You know, Beaver Stadium South. Yeah, and you've got you've got obviously Ohio State and Michigan. Those are never going to be easy wins. You've got Sparty away, who's clearly a much better team than we at the beginning of the year. You've got Indiana next week, who I think they're not going to sneak up us, sneak up on us like they did last year, but they're certainly they're certainly a quality. One of the games in that a really good game, um, and then you've got Illinois, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, we, I also, am I reading this correctly? We have five teams in the top twenty-five from the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State, Iowa, right. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Ohio State. Yep, Wisconsin yeah. fell out. And I think I, I I didn't check the also receiving votes, but I'd be willing to bet Maryland is probably the number twenty six or twenty seven team in the country. So I have that up right now. Texas, Texas has one hundred thirty one receiving votes. Maryland ninety one. Right. So they're essentially number twenty seven. If they were to beat Iowa this weekend, you're going to see them jump up into the top twenty. Um, and keep in mind that West Virginia team that gave Oklahoma all sorts of trouble in Norman, they lost to Maryland. Yeah, I was just about to say the same. Yeah, we could yeah. very uh, possibly, if Maryland beats Iowa this week, we could very easily see Maryland in the top 10 with that resume, in my opinion. That's a little too high, but maybe maybe in the teens, some of the teens, but yeah, that would be a huge win. They do have Iowa at home, and it's a Friday night, sort of a weird, weird, uh, weird game. I could, I, I think if Iowa doesn't show up ready to play, um, Maryland could give them some fits, and they're they're constructed in a way that they've got all kinds of talent at the speed at the skill positions, which is they're probably going to try to pound the ball, slow the game down, and Maryland is going to try to get the ball in the perimeter to their best players, and it'll be one of those fascinating games to watch just from a. Uh, strategy perspective two teams trying to do wildly different things with the with when they have the ball yeah i agree and not to you know drag this out any longer but one team from the big 12 that i think really showed up baylor bears uh 
I'd keep an eye on them. They have looked really good. They're four and zero. They're currently twenty first. Um, I I think they have a good chance of going deep, especially with the Big Twelve. I feel is not as good as it used to be. Um, what else was I gonna say? Oh, somehow Auburn moved up one space in the polls, even though they barely beat Georgia State. That's very comical in my opinion, but um. Drop Clemson that far for now being two and two, and you drop Wisconsin out. Wisconsin was ahead of them, and they're now out. Um, Iowa State was ahead of them, and they're out. So, uh, which is like, which is like, why is Clemson? Why is Clemson up there in the top twenty-five still? If Wisconsin gets dropped out for losing to the number four team in the country and the number what's Notre Dame nine, like those both equal better than losing to number two and unranked but that's just my opinion i think the auburn the auburn ranking is indicative of of every week but especially a week like yesterday or a day like yesterday just winning and moving on it's not going to taste good it's not going to look good you're not happy if you're an auburn fan you're you're maybe not thrilled if you're a penn state fan but you saw all these other teams getting knocked off just win move on next week you can play better you know, it's it's just one of those. It's that that's why I said earlier. It feels like a survivor pool where you just you just got to win and move on to next week and then figure things out and play better. Yeah, I agree. Win at all costs. So last thing we'll do here, hypothetically, if the season ended today, the playoffs would be Alabama versus Penn State and Georgia versus Oregon. And I I honestly think we could we could run with Alabama. I haven't seen them be. BNB. Nope. I think we'd be think... thirty point underdogs. We'd be thirty point underdogs. No way. No way we'd be no way. No way. No way. No way. By I, Vegas, I, I, absolutely. But yeah, well Vegas doesn't know shit. So I'm just saying I think I think our defense I agree we would struggle with the running game, but I think our defense could contain Alabama. Their offense has not looked stellar in my opinion that's that's all i'm saying i want to see a couple i want to see alabama play a few few more real games they looked good enough at florida they definitely didn't look like world beaters of course it's a road game in a tough environment so it's, it's a little unfair to say oh alabama looks terrible they only beat florida by two in the swamp um but i think you look at a couple sec west games under our belt see, see what alabama looks like i think they play ole miss next week that could be a pretty telling game you know if they come out and spank Ole Miss that that's going to be a sign maybe that that it's going to be the same old same old in, in the SEC West that's an interesting one to watch too just, excuse me just with the uh, Lane Kiffin Nick Saban connection but I, I would be on Devin's side getting getting back to the original point I think Penn State would be at least 17 point underdogs probably and I think our inability to run the ball would mean just Clifford would be getting pounded on every play because we'd have to just drop back and pass and I think the defense would keep us somewhat respectable but I don't think from what I've seen so far we we're ready to beat Alabama okay I mean I respectfully uh disagree but the real question is in that old Miss Alabama game next week uh where's which sideline is Saban's daughter sitting on (laughs) wow okay (laughs) I mean it's funny Come on. 
All right. Well, that's all I got. If you guys got anything else, we went way longer than anticipated per usual, but it was all great content. Um, looking forward to this week. We can uh, do a recap or a preview for the Indiana game, which is going to be a 7.30 start um, night game. So looking forward to that, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. You guys have anything else? Nope, I'm looking forward to that uh, preview podcast also. There's a ton of good games this week, so um, looking forward to doing that someday next week. All right, sounds good. What about you, Zach? All right, that's all I got. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I I did remember one thing. Uh, <laughs> I would be re- I would be remiss if I didn't mention the. Uh, Are we going to talk State about State. Michigan State? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Just want I think I was partially right on that, right? <laughs> the line was the line was five and a half towards Sparty, and Nebraska did cover, as was predicted by somebody on this podcast. I thought you said they were going to win, but I'll have to go listen to the. It was a closer game than I anticipated, but. All right, that's all I got. I'll talk to you guys later.